You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Throughout the summer, we've been really working our way uh, through a series called We Believe, and we've really been looking at various uh, issues, and we've been trying to look at those different issues um, through two different kinds of lens. One lens is what we've kind of called the biblical or the Christian worldview. The other lens is what we would call a secular, maybe a progressive, postmodern uh, worldview. And you know, as we've kind of been talking this summer on, on just a lot of different issues, when you look at certain issues, I mean, how people with a biblical you know, worldview and people with a secular worldview look at issues, it's just radically different. Um, so this morning, I want to look at how do people from a biblical, kind of a Christian worldview, and people from a secular, uh, progressive, postmodern worldview, how do they look at, how do they understand, how do they comprehend God? Now, if there is anything a secular, progressive, postmodern, unbiblical worldview tells us is that you cannot be absolutely sure of anything. Now, you can believe in in a lot of things. You can be passionate about many things, but nothing can be known absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt, especially in the area of spirituality or morality. Gandhi was asked one time why he tried to persuade people of his political beliefs, but not his spiritual beliefs. Thinking, man, that's a great question. And here's how he responded. He said, in the realm of the political and social and economic, we can be sufficiently certain to convert. But in the realm of religion, there is not sufficient certainty to convert anybody, and therefore, there can be no conversions in religions. Now, the man who is probably known as one of the most brilliant scientists ever, uh, Albert Einstein, once said this. He said, certainly there is a God. Any man who doesn't believe in a cosmic force is a fool, but we could never know him. Because see, to the secular, progressive, postmodern viewpoint when it comes to God, that if there is a God, is that nothing certain can be known about God, and you certainly cannot know him personally. Let me just make a concession here. If the Bible is not God's word, if God has not revealed himself to us through his word, if God has not spoken to us and revealed himself, then the secular worldview concerning religion and spirituality would be absolutely right. However, and thankfully, through the word of God, written by man, yes, but inspired by God, It is through God's accurately recorded, revealed word that we know anything about God because God has chosen to reveal himself to us through scripture. Now think about this. And we're gonna, we'll talk about this some more in coming weeks. If God had chosen to remain silent, which God, it's his right, God can do whatever God wants to do. If God had just chosen to remain silent and not reveal anything about himself, do you realize we would know absolutely nothing about God? Even with the greatest of imaginations that that we might possess, we would never, ever, 
come up with a revelation with, with insights concerning God that we have through his word because it's through his word that God has spoken to us, that God has revealed himself to us and because of that, it's because we know something of who he is, what he is like, what his plans and his purposes um, are for us. So the Bible says, through this revelation, the Bible says there are two things that you can know that the secular worldview says you can't know. The first thing the Bible says that we can know is that we can know God and we can know him personally. Old Testament book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, beginning in verse 23. Listen to what it says. This is what the Lord says. So again, God is revealing something. God is speaking something to us. And in speaking something to us, he's revealing himself. He's telling us something about himself. He says, let not the wise man gloat in his wisdom, or the mighty man and his might, or the rich man and his riches. Let them boast in this alone, that they may truly know me and understand that I am the Lord. I, the Lord, now get this, have spoken. It's because God has spoken to us through his word. And it's through that word that God has spoken to us and revealed himself to us that we can truly know him, know something, again, concerning who he is and what his plans and his purposes are for you and I. The second thing the Bible says that you can know that the secular viewpoint says you can't know is that you can know God eternally. So you can know God personally and you can know God eternally. That is, you can have a relationship with God which can never be broken. And we're going to talk more about that this morning. Because this is exactly what Jesus said in the passage we're going to look at here this morning. In John's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning in verse 27. If you've got your Bibles this morning, I would encourage you to pull those out and open up to John chapter 10. And there in verse 27, this is Jesus, and Jesus is speaking, and he said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Now you may ask, well, if we're going to talk about who is God this morning, then why are we talking about Jesus? I mean, if the topic this morning is, who is God? Why are we talking about Jesus? Well, that, that's a good question. How many of you know the best way to get to know God is to get to know Jesus? The best way to learn something about God is to learn something about Jesus, because whatever is true of Jesus is also true of God. Do you realize Jesus came in part to reveal, to show us who the Father truly is? As a matter of fact, according to Paul in Colossians 1.15, he said Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Man, wrap your mind around that one. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. 
When we look at Jesus, we'll, we'll see the Father. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself said in John 14, 7, if you had known me, you would have also known my Father as well. So one of the best ways to learn what God is like is to discover what Jesus is like. And so this morning, because of Jesus and the revelation he gives to us of the Father, there are three absolute truths we can know for certainty about the character, the nature of God. And the first one is, I can know I can have a personal relationship with God. Now, I grew up attending a Lutheran church near our home in Davenport, Iowa. I went to church pretty much every Sunday with my family. I attended Sunday school, attended youth group. I sang in the youth choir. I went through confirmation, became a member of the church. Uh, And as a result, I believed there was a God. I believed there was a man named Jesus. But I didn't know much about God, didn't know much about Jesus, certainly did not have a relationship with God, nor did I even think it was possible or necessary to have a relationship with him. It wasn't until I went off to college and I attended a weekend retreat that I really heard about a God who loved me, a God who wanted to have a relationship with me, and how Jesus Christ came to make that possible. What was interesting was I went away from that weekend wanting one thing. I wanted God to prove to me that he was real, and I wanted God uh, to... to, um, Uh, that he wanted a relationship with me, and I wanted God to show me that he was real in just an undeniable way. And so one night, several months later, I was in my uh, dorm room, and I was really struggling with the whole issue uh, of my faith and my belief in God, and I'm really wanting God to prove himself to me in just, again, a real and just an undeniable way. So I remember one night I'm kind of there and I'm just struggling with God and I just kept sensing that God wanted me to pray to him and I really didn't want to do that if I didn't believe that God truly existed. So I just kind of went back and forth over what to do. I'm kind of like in this argument with God. And finally, just out of sheer exhaustion, I remember just kneeling down beside my bed and I just started to pray and I no more than got these two words out of my mouth, oh God, and I just just remember the room just started filling with God's presence. And I knew it was God's presence because it was unlike anything I had ever felt or experienced before. It was the most beautiful uh, presence. It was kind of like this warm, liquid love. I mean, there was just like electricity in the room. I knew that it was the presence of God. Not knowing what to do in this, I remember trying to stand up in in this presence, and I just remember kind of going back um, down, um, and and I landed, I think, on the bed, and, and as I lay there, I just heard God speak these words to me and he just simply said Jesus is here the Lord is here it it was the most powerful thing I had ever experienced in my life and I don't know if it was an audible voice or just a voice in my spirit but I knew I had just heard Jesus speak to me And from that encounter, I learned two things. Number one is God is real. Jesus is real. 
He knows me. He knows the things that concern me. I felt like he, he was conveying in very strong terms. He desired and wanted a relationship with me. And the second thing I learned, I knew the sound of his voice. I'd heard it. I knew the sound of his voice. Now, I, I can't prove to you that it was Jesus. I didn't get any pictures. I don't have any evidence to show you what I experienced and heard really happen. But I will assure you one thing. When you hear the voice of Jesus, you know it. It's just unmistakable, okay? And I don't know how or why. I just know that you do. Okay, so if you're here this morning and like me, and maybe you kind of have doubts concerning your relationship with God, maybe the existence of God, or maybe just, you know, does God really, truly desire to have a personal relationship with me? I pray that like me, you would have just an encounter with Jesus. I believe he wants to have that encounter with you. And, and my prayer is you would just have that encounter with Jesus that, again, you would hear his voice because I'll guarantee you, once you hear his voice, you'll know it. And Jesus said, those who know my voice follow me. Because once you've experienced him, you just kind of want to keep experiencing him more and more, getting to know him better and better. Now, again, that, that may be where you're at this morning, and, and that's okay. I want you to understand, every one of us in this room, regardless of where we are in our spiritual walk, we've all had moments where we have questioned or doubted. I mean, one of Jesus' own disciples, Thomas, struggled with doubt following the death and resurrection of Jesus. You remember Jesus had appeared to a few of the other disciples and they were sharing that. And Thomas hears their testimony. And Thomas just simply says, from a place of doubt, he said, I, I won't believe unless I can actually put my hand in the side of Jesus where, where, where the spear thrust it into him. Unless I can put my hand in that place or I can touch the, the, the nails uh, prints in his hand. Thomas said, I won't believe. Remember that Jesus does appear to Thomas and he gives him that opportunity and Thomas doesn't need to do anymore. He just simply falls down in that place and he exclaims, oh my Lord and oh my God. So I want you to understand, everybody struggles with doubt from time to time in their walk with God. Even those who walked with Jesus while he was living on this earth. If you even have an, an ounce of doubt that you do have a personal relationship with God or that you can have one, again, Jesus speaks directly to this. He begins by saying in John 10, 27, again, he says, my sheep hear my voice. We can hear his voice. And he said, and I know them. Do you notice Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Notice it doesn't say a voice. People hear voices. Jesus said, no, no, my sheep hear my voice. That's a specific voice. Followers of Jesus know his voice versus the voice of an imposter. It's incredible how even a small toddler can pick out the voice of his mother or his father in a very large crowd. One of the marks that you have a true relationship with God is that you have a spiritual ear and a heart that is tuned and turned to his voice and tuned to his word. I heard about a man who walked into a china shop to purchase some glasses. 
And he said to the clerk, I want to buy all of your glasses that are pitched to the key of A. And the clerk looked at him and he said, how am I to know which ones those are? And the man pulled out a tuning fork and he struck it. And immediately every one of the glasses that were pitched to the key of A began to vibrate. Jesus goes on there and he says, I know them. He's talking about his sheep. He knows not only who his sheep are, but he knows who his sheep are personally. Earlier in John chapter 10, Jesus says in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I love somewhere in Hebrews, I think it's Jesus says, I am the great shepherd. Jesus is a good and a great shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Man, that is very personal. Jesus makes a very bold statement there. As a matter of fact, that word know in the Greek, it is used to convey an intensely personal and intimate relationship. Jesus wants us to know him intimately and personally because Jesus knows his sheep. He knows you intimately and personally. So this whole world can really be divided basically into three categories of people. There are people who do not know anything about Jesus Christ. There are people who know something about Jesus Christ and people who know, I mean intimately, personally know Jesus Christ. Even if you're here this morning and you're in that first category you're no longer in that category because I've just told you some things about him. There's a huge difference, again, between knowing about Jesus. I knew about God in the Lutheran church. It's a whole different thing to know God. So again, let me just make one clarification. Jesus went on to say about those who really know him from verse 27. Again, they follow him. That's one of the earmarks. That's one of the indicators that you know him and he knows you is because you'll follow him. Again, not everybody who says they have a personal relationship with God really do because those that do, one of the things is it it will reflect itself in the way they live their lives. That's why I want to just stop and say it's so important for those of us who say we have a personal relationship with God, we got to live like it, we got to talk like it, we got to walk like it, we got to model it. Because again, not everybody who says they have a personal relationship with God really does. I gotta be honest with you, not just in this church, but in other churches that I've pastored, there are many, many people who will come into the church for a while. They may make a profession of faith, they may attend a Bible study, they may get involved, they may serve in various capacities, they get baptized, and just over time, all of a sudden, they just disappear, and I never ever see them again. Some churches call these kinds of people Alka-Seltzer Christians. You drop them in the water, they fizzle for a while, and then just disappear. John Maxwell kind of calls them shooting stars. They kind of just shoot across the sky in a big blaze of glory, and then they kind of just fizzle out and fade away, never see them again. There are people, there are Christians like that. The truth is, if you want to have a personal relationship with God, you can Jesus made that possible. And once you establish that personal relationship with God, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have it. 
So first of all, we can know that we have a personal relationship. Secondly, I can know I have a permanent relationship with God. Jesus goes on to say in verse 28, he says, and I give eternal life to them. Now I want you to understand every word in that statement is crucial to your understanding the kind of relationship God wants to establish with you. The stability and strength of your relationship with God, do you realize this, does not depend on what you do for him? A lot of you kind of think the strength, the stability of your relationship with God solely rides on what you do for him. But the truth is, it depends solely on what he has already done for you. That's why Jesus said, I give you eternal life. Not, I'm going to give you someday in the future eternal life. He says, no, I give you now, present tense. I give you eternal life. Let me say this. If eternal life is not earned by being good, then it can't be lost by being bad. Let that soak in. If eternal life, and Mark quoted the scripture from Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. The salvation is a free gift of God. It's not through any works, so we'll be boasting. I talked about that last week. If eternal life is not earned by being good, then it can't be lost by being bad. Now, again, I'm not encouraging you to go out and be bad, to put that statement to the test. I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, commit, you know, atrocious. And I'm not saying that at all. And I'm saying that if that is your mindset, if that's kind of what you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I, th- I think I'm just going to kind of go out and put this to the test. I'm going to go out and see how bad I can be and see if God will still forgive me. Chances are you're not saved. Because I, I, just, I don't think saved people think that way. So again, if salvation, if eternal life is not earned by being good, then it cannot be lost by being bad. Do you see that eternal life is something that you are given right now? You possess that. Once you establish a relationship with God, you have immediately eternal life. Jesus did not say, I'll give them eternal life. He says, I give them. It's now. It's present. It's not something you get when you die. It's something you receive the moment you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you now possess eternal life. Jesus said in John 3.36, he said, he who believes in the Son has present eternal life. Notice it is eternal life. You know what the word eternal means? Exactly what you think it means. Forever. Okay? Think about this. If you have a relationship with God today, but five years later down the road, that relationship with God was ended, then you didn't have eternal life. You had a five-year life. Again, Jesus doesn't give us five-year, 10-year, 20-year, 100-year, 1,000-year life. He gives us eternal, never-ending life. The very nature of the spiritual life that God gives us 
eternal, and the very source of that life, which is God himself, forbids us ever thinking that a saved person can ever be lost or that a person who has a relationship with God today can lose that relationship tomorrow. I meet people all the time who just walk in great fear of that. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. If you've ever bought anything expensive like a car or an appliance or television, washer, dryer, you know there are four words that can make you weep, scream, faint, shake, collapse, and even consider pulling your hair out. Do you know what those words are? The warranty has expired. We hate that. But here's the thing, when you establish a relationship with God, that relationship is put under divine warranty and his warranty never expires. That's why Jesus goes on to say in verse 28, and they will never perish. Do you know what the word never means? Exactly what you think it means. Never They will never perish. Now, I know many of you don't know the Greek language, uh, and you don't need to, but in the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, there are actually four meanings to that word never. One meaning of the word never means not at all. Another meaning for the word means place, time, or purpose. The third meaning means male or female. The last word means, the last meaning of the word never, means perpetually and eternally. And when you put all of those words together, here's what Jesus was really saying. He said, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall not at all, in any place, at any time, for any purpose, whether they are male or female, perpetually and eternally ever perish. How's that for a description? When you come to God by faith, and you receive his forgiveness for your sins, you surrender your life to him, and you establish that relationship with him, it is personal, it is permanent, and the third thing is, I know I can have a protected relationship with God. Personal, permanent, protected. I know those of us who already have a relationship with God or those of us who might like to have one would love to believe that our relationship with God is permanent, it's protected, but how do we know it? I mean, how can we or who or what can make a relationship like that permanent? Again, we all know it's one thing to be safe, it's another thing to be secure. I remember reading an article about the Olympic Games that were held in Rio in 2016 and the extraordinary measures that were taken to secure the Olympic game participants from terroristic attacks. Olympic planners, now get this, spent $850 million and sent 100,000 forces as part of a high-tech protection plan to keep the city and the participants safe and secure. The country even took the unprecedented step of asking NATO for assistance. 
So they had a blimp, helicopters, and AWAC radar planes patrolling the skies. They had a police officer for every 10 meters in the center of Rio and magnetometers that were cranked up to detect a pen knife in a briefcase and packs of bomb-sniffing dogs. They had over $350 million state-of-the-art nerve center linking 105 sub-command stations using sonar devices, motion-sensitive forces, and 1,400 cameras to analyze everything from traffic flow to air currents. They even had what they called an echolocation device to scan for suicide swimmers in the port and $18 million worth of mechanical sniffers for nuclear, biological, and chemical bombs. I'm reading this and I'm thinking, that is amazing. The lengths and money people would go to to keep people safe and secure. And I'm thinking, if that's what people are willing to do, if that's what people are willing to spend, if that's the lengths people are willing to go, how much more our God is willing and able to do to keep his children safe and secure in their salvation. Unlike human security forces, we have a God-given guarantee that once we have a relationship with God, it is personal, it is permanent, and it is protected, and no one can threaten or break that. Listen to what Jesus goes on to say in verse 28 and 29. No one. Do you know what that word no one means? Just what you think it means. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Jesus is telling us we are actually in a double grip. We have a double wall of security. We are in the son's grip, and the son's grip is in the father's grip. Too many people think that their relationship with God and the security of that relationship, again, it's based on them holding on to God. Oh, I got to hold on to God. The truth of the matter is God is holding on to you. Do you know what that means? That means your relationship is just as secure as God himself is. That's why Jesus ends by saying these words in verse 29. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. One of the things the Bible tells us, it says that, that God's gift of salvation, is, it, it's a gift to us. Do you know that once you receive that salvation, you become a gift of God to his son? It's true. There is a day where, where um, and, and scriptures talk about this, where we are, we are God's inheritance to his son. We're a part of that inheritance. 
When we get saved, we are a part of that inheritance that God the Father has given to God the Son. And once God gives his Son anything, he never, ever takes it back. Listen to these two verses. Uh, Again, these concepts. uh, There's actually Bible verses for what I just said. John 6, verse 37 and verse 39. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but will raise it up on the last day. How's that for security? And there it brings us to the bottom line about God, a relationship to God, our knowledge of God, and life itself. Even though a biblical worldview tells me that there is truth, and that all truth is God's truth, and that I can both know God and the truth. The truth of the matter is I can only know all that I know by faith. Okay? It takes faith to believe this. It is faith that makes an informed decision based on the overwhelming evidence of the truth of his word. Again, if we had 100% of the answers to 100% of our questions, we would never need faith. There would be no need, there would be no role for faith. Okay, hear this next statement. We don't have to know everything to know some things for certain. You don't have to know everything to know some things for certain. We know what we need to know. God has given us exactly what we need to know, and based on what God has given us and what we can know, we can follow Jesus Christ, and we can have 100% confidence that our eternity is going to be spent with him, both in this life and in the life to come. If you're one of those people who wrestle with doubts, let me just close by telling you a story that I believe will encourage you. It's about a man who went out to California when he was about 30 years old. He was a wonderful person, had a very strong faith in God, and wanted more than anything just to do something tremendous with his, uh, and just do something great with his life for God. This man had a friend named Chuck, and Chuck went to a very liberal seminary. And based on all that Chuck was learning, he began raising questions with his friend about God and the Bible. He started telling uh, this guy, he said, you know, you can't trust the Bible. It just was written by a bunch of fallible, sinful men. You can't really trust that, that the Bible we have now were the original documents that were written. You really can't know God. You really can't know Jesus. You really can't know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die. And, and he just started giving all of this doubt, and, and it really started shaking this guy up. He also had another friend who was a very strong student of God's word, and she kind of just kept saying to him, what Chuck is telling you is not true. She said, here's what the word of God says. Here's the evidence. Here are reasons why you can trust and believe in God's word. You can know God in a very personal way. You can know Jesus And so she did everything that she could to kind of counteract what his friend Chuck was saying. And this man went on to say that he was just living in agony. He was just living in this uh, valley of doubt. He was just being pulled one way um, and the other. So he said one day he went for a walk and he all of a sudden got on his knees and he just simply said, God, I don't know everything and I don't have to know everything 
but based on what I do know, the evidence of your word, I'm just going to accept what you say as truth, and I'm just going to begin to base my life. I'm going to make your word the foundation of my life. I'm going to live the way it says I ought to live, and I'm going to believe based on your word that I have a relationship with you and that I'm going to be with you for all eternity. That man was Billy Graham. He said, from that time until this very day, he said, there have been a lot of times where he has doubted and questioned God, but he said, I have never doubted, I have never, ever questioned my relationship with God. And this is really where the war of the worldviews will be decided. God has revealed himself to us. God has spoken truth to us will we believe it will we accept it will we like Billy Graham just begin even though we don't know everything we can know some things for sure and we can begin to build our lives we can begin to base our faith our trust that we have a relationship with them because the Bible says we can and we should This book says that once you have a relationship with God, that relationship can never be broken, that that relationship is personal, it is permanent, and it is protected. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Sounds like the trains are coming. I want to, we did something kind of uh, cool, Jim, Pastor Jim did with us, uh, this morning, and again, I, I don't know if any of you have ever, you know, been able to hear the voice of God, um, but again, it, it, I, I believe it's just one of those things that God wants us to experience, and, and again, I, I, I know sometimes that can kind of come across as kind of weird, you know, hearing voices, and, and I know that a lot of times there's just people that kind of just keep that kind of at, at, at arm's length, and, and I understand that. I, I think, you know, uh, before I became a Christian and before I had that experience, I probably would have thought that was really weird too because, you know, like a lot of people, um, we kind of get into this thinking that if we're ever going to hear the voice of God, you know what we're going to hear? All of the things we've done wrong. That's true. I think that's why a lot of us don't want to hear the voice of God. Because we're afraid that, that what we're going to hear is God's just going to bring up that laundry list of sins, of things that we've done wrong, ways that we've disappointed God, all the things that we've done bad. And so we, because we think that way, we just don't want to hear the voice of God. If God's going to speak, it's going to be judgment. It's going to be condemnation. I'm going to feel guilty and full of shame. And, and, and we, we kind of buy into that. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, every time I have ever heard the voice of God, it's never been about that. I love what David said. David said that God's thoughts towards you are precious. Stop and think about that. He says God's thoughts towards you are precious and they are innumerable, meaning they cannot be counted. And see, when God begins to speak to you, Do you know what God wants to speak to you? He wants to speak to you about those things that he sees about you that are precious and innumerable.
So what we did in first service was uh, Jim kind of just led us through a, a time of prayer where we just simply asked people, if you've never heard the voice of God and would just like to hear the voice of God, if you would love to hear God, the Bible says that God rejoices over you with singing, not condemnation, singing. God wants to encourage you. God wants to bless you. God wants to pour his love out upon you. And so again, uh, what we did this, uh, this uh, first service was Jim kind of just had us, if you want to really hear the voice of God, just to put our, our hands on our ears, we're just going to pray that God would open our spiritual ears that we would hear. So if that's you this morning, uh, you don't need to look around. This is about you. If you would just like to hear the voice of God, we're just going to ask you just to place your hands over your ears. And we're just going to pray. Father, we just ask right now in the name of Jesus, that Father, you would just open our ears, open our spiritual ears. God, open our hearts that we would be able to hear you sing over us, God, that we would be able to hear you just speak over us, God, those things that the scripture says are precious and innumerable. God, we don't come with any fear. We don't come with any doubt, Father. We just come trusting and knowing that you want to speak to us that you want to encourage us, that you want to exhort us, that you want to comfort us. So Father, this morning we just come and we place our hands over our physical ears, God, as a representation of our spiritual ears. And God, we just ask, Lord, that you'd open our ears. Father, for those of us that hear your voice, God, I just ask, Lord, that you'd open our ears in an even greater way, in an even greater capacity. That, God, we would be able just to hear you at a deeper level. And as Jesus said, Father, that as we hear his voice, as we hear your voice, that, God, we would, we would respond by following you. Father, also, as we just place our, our hands over our eyes, God, we also ask, Lord, that you'll just open our eyes. Open our eyes to greater truth, to greater revelation greater revelation of your word, greater revelation of your spirit, that, God, we can begin to see and to know you as you truly are, that, God, you would just continue to open our eyes to greater, to deeper truths. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that as your sheep, that you know us and we know you, and that, God, we can hear you, that, God, we can see you. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you'll just come and by your Holy Spirit, God, just begin to lead us into those deeper waters, those deeper places of your presence, that, God, we can just come to know you and to be known. God, to come to that place, God, where nothing is hidden from you, but, God, that you see it all. God, no matter what it is that you see, God, that you love us, that you accept us, that, God, you're committed to completing that which you have started. And, Father, again, we just thank you for the gift. We thank you for the joy of our salvation. And, Father, we just, again, thank you for your presence here this morning. And, Father, I pray for those that may be here this morning 
that God, for whatever reason, are just wanting to keep their distance, not wanting to hear your voice, maybe again out of fear and out of doubt. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you'll just continue to press in upon them, that God, you would just gently, lovingly continue to draw them unto yourself, God, knowing and help them to understand, God, that there is nothing that they have to fear. So, God, we just thank you, Lord, that you'll just continue to pour out your goodness, your kindness, and your mercy upon them. And that, God, you would be relentless in your pursuit of them. That, God, you would just continue to abide, continue to walk with them. God, that in that walking, God, you would just continue to dismantle the barriers, the things that keep them separate from you. Until one day, God, they would again receive that gift of salvation that you have made possible for each one of us through your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, I just pray for them. And again, we just thank you for your presence with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and just would like to be prayed for, for anything, maybe you're dealing with some struggles this morning, we just want you to know there'll be other Christians up here this morning that would just love to pray with you, to pray over you this morning. So if that's you as we close in worship this morning, just invite those of you on the worship or on the prayer team just to come up at this time and we'd love to pray with anybody who has needs. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.